Today on Secular, well, it's day two in Atlanta, and Fonnie Willis is missing from court after her shocking testimony. We'll talk about that and answer your questions today on Secular. Keeping you informed and engaged, now more than ever, this is Seculo. We want to hear from you. Share and post your comments or call 1-800-684-3110. And now your host, Jordan Seculo. All right, welcome back to Seculo. We're taking your phone calls, 1-800-684-3110. I say back because we're on day two of the trial that you can uh, watch that's going on in Atlanta, Georgia. Will she or won't she remain the district attorney prosecuting President Trump in uh, the trial over the, uh, you've got the electors, you've got the phone calls, et cetera. But, and it's a RICO case. Remember all the other uh, people have been charged, some who've even pled out already. And now this uh, relationship and the amount of money, that was what was put on uh, really that in court yesterday yes. was uh, both uh, the special counsel who was brought in who got paid the nearly $700,000 we learned about, had the previous uh, a relationship with, a romantic relationship with, uh, uh, as they were going through divorces, I believe. And then was that money used appropriately? A yeah. lot of cash was being discussed. And that was kind of the impetus of this hearing. Let, let's see what, you know, the fact that they had a relationship is not a basis upon which disqualification can take right. place. Okay. Because first of all, they're consenting adults. That's number one. Number two is money used by one party to benefit the other, the DA. That would be a basis. I'm not. Yeah, I'll, I'm very curious to see what our listeners think. We'll take your calls on this at 800-684-3110, 1-800-684-3110. I thought her presentation to the court was outrageous. I thought it was over the top. Having said that, I think it was calculated. I think she planned on testifying because her um, Wade, her senior DA or assistant DA, that's the one she had the relationship with, did a, a pretty significantly decent job on his testimony. They've got to show their attorneys would that right. Does the prosecutor's actions undermine the integrity of the judicial system? That is the legal standard for this to go forward. There's a consensus right now that people inside Georgia thinks, think he, that she's probably not getting disqualified. And there are people outside of Georgia thinking, uh, she will get disqualified, although Andy will be joining us later. He's an outlier. He thinks she will be disqualified. I'm not so sure. Yeah, it is different, too, when you're inside the bubble versus outside because we're seeing courtroom, and then, of course, we get reports from people who are there, but they've got their own opinions about it and their views. It's you know, I would think, again, most people just don't have the time to watch hours and hours. Of these court cases are over before they get home. So what they saw last night was Fonnie Willis screaming, and, and bursting into the court, which we're going to talk about how that could even be an issue for her when she showed up in the courtroom. Because yeah, I, she wasn't supposed to be there at that time. There was an issue that she said she knew she, she knew the testimony was done. They asked, how do you know it was done? You weren't supposed to be watching it. Yeah. Well, I saw people in my office moving around. And then she said she saw some of the proceedings. They're not supposed to do that. And then there's this question, which has not been answered yet, whether information has been leaked to the press. That's a violation of the state 6E rule, which would mean dismissal of the indictment. We want to know what you think about this process at all, if you've been watching it. 1-800-684-3110, And we also still want to take your calls on President Trump. And if there is a trial in January 6th, a conviction with a conviction and a sentence, which could include jail, how does that impact your vote decision? 1-800-684-3110. We've opened the phones. 
Phone lines are open at 800-684-3110. Yeah, I was, was going to ask you, too, about that uh, leaking to the press. So they've yeah. thrown that in here as well. Yeah, that's a big deal. What did they... The spe- did they have a lot of specific details? They didn't give specific details. There were some statements made that indicated that, yes, information from her office was leaked to the press. If that's the case, that then it the can be proven. They throw out the whole indictment. It's a 6C federal. Actually- the federal law is 6C. There's a state 6C counterpart, and it is a felony. That's that's bigger than just her being removed. A hundred percent. That's the end of the case. End of the case. Right. All right, folks, we'll take your calls and questions. one 800 684 3110, that's 1-800-684-3110. We want you to, to support the work of the ACLJ. That's at aclj.org. Again, and we've got a prayer guide at aclj.org slash prayer. 80,000 people have downloaded. 80,000 people have downloaded. We've had a team here of really focused on this attention of deliberate uh, prayer uh, for our nation, for our country. So go to aclj.org. The challenges facing Americans are substantial. At a time when our values, our freedoms, and our constitutional rights are under attack, it's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. aclj.org. After nearly 50 years, Roe versus Wade, the tragic ruling that manufactured a so-called right to abortion has been overturned by the United States Supreme Court. This is the moment the ACLJ has been fighting for. It's the biggest victory we've achieved in our three decade long fight against the soulless abortion industry. And believe me, abortionists like Planned Parenthood are devastated. This victory would not have been possible without the steadfast prayer and support of ACLJ members like you. On behalf of the entire ACLJ, I thank you for standing with us against the abortion industry and helping us save defenseless babies. I thank you for making this victory possible. And I ask you for your continued prayer and support as we continue to battle against barbaric new abortion laws across our nation. Welcome back to Secular. We're taking your phone calls, 1-800-684-3110. Can we play some from the hearing, too, as we're kind of uh, discussing this as well? Uh, but What's we've got Secretary Pompeo joining us, so we'll jump to that, and then we'll move on back a little bit to Georgia. And uh, Secretary Pompeo, you just returned from Israel literally yesterday. I saw on your social media accounts uh, some unbelievable footage of, of where you were going, uh, and I think you were with uh, the former ambassador, uh, Danny Denona, good friend of ours. Uh, Kind of give us just like the latest, the feel on the ground from Israel. We have an office there, of course, ACLJ Jerusalem. But uh, what was it like being there uh, with those soldiers, with those families, and with the government leaders this far into the conflict? Yeah, Jordan, Jay, it was great to be there. It's the first trip that I've had the chance to take since the massacre that took place on October 7th. 
You know, three thoughts. First of all, the Israeli people are remarkably resilient, broadly speaking, uh, people who are in business, people who are taking care of families, people who are volunteering uh, to provide support for the soldiers. These people understand the threat <laughs> that is upon them, and they are determined. Second, I did get to spend some time with some Israeli uh, fighters, some folks from the IDF. Uh, they know their mission. They're executing in a way that is uh, deeply consistent with how we would expect an advanced military like theirs to behave, contrary to what um, some of the Biden administration said, where they are dehumanizing the Gazans. Frankly, they are taking enormous risk for their own soldiers in order to do what they need to do to deliver sovereignty and security for their own people. You know, the last thought is I didn't meet a single Israeli who wasn't thinking about the hostages and the fact that we need to get them back to their families as quickly as we can. Now is the time to do that. But they were also ever more mindful, even now, goodness, four months on, uh, that they are at war and that Hamas and that risk has to be eliminated, eradicated, describe it how you will. Um, but this is not a time to be thinking about um, what, what it might look like to make a deal with Hamas or a deal with the people of Gaza. They've got to take out every bit of that infrastructure and they're going to do it. Mike, you, I know you spent time with some of the military leaders as well. There is right now more resistance, I think, than ever worldwide to Israel's current engagement with Hamas. You visited the IDF. How motivated are the soldiers themselves to keep this fight going and now taking it to, again, to Rafa and some of these other locations? And how united are they in their view? Uh, completely united, Jay. It's a great question. Uh, and down to a person. And, you know, I walked around and saw a whole bunch of soldiers that, that had just come out of Gaza themselves within the last handful of hours. Uh, they talked about their experience there and the fact of they understand the mission that they need to complete on behalf of their country. And then Susan and I had a chance to go visit some folks who were in uh, medical care facilities at the hospital there. Uh, even those a battalion commander who'd been injured, a couple of more junior soldiers, they understood that, that their fellow soldiers have a fight on their hands, that Hamas isn't going away. They still want to commit more October 7th. And so they were 100% united and prepared to go finish that important mission. I wanted to ask you about, you've talked a lot about the hostages that still remain, and we can get to that in a moment, but you also were able to meet with uh, some of those uh, survivors as well that were released. And what was that like, the people who survived, the people, where are they at now? I mean, I'm sure it's still very difficult time, probably reliving that day in their head, as some of our clients have said to us, uh, that they're, they've never really gotten past October 7th. It's still like, it's like they're replaying it every single day uh, that they live right now. Yeah, Jordan, that's absolutely true. And uh, the, I had a couple of them who I had actually met alongside you all at uh, in, here in Washington, D.C. Right. Uh, the ACLJ had brought some family members back. I saw some of them again. Uh, their family member status in a couple of cases had changed for the worse. Um, look, this is very difficult. They, they, they want their, their family home. They want all the hostages home. Uh, but they understand the imperative, too. And so that, they're very hopeful that there would be a negotiated solution to get a huge number of these hostages back home. Uh, at the same time, they, they understand who it is the Israeli government is dealing with. The pressure on the Israeli government, though, is, is becoming immense now, especially with the Rafah attacks, although it's, as they've gone in, they've found more and more of these terrorist strongholds. Um, how do we deal with world opinion on this? That, that's what I'm, I'm concerned with, too. World opinion is starting to change. Where do you what, – what's the – the Israelis call it Hasbara, which is their media advocacy. How do you, how do you get this thing moved back to the direction for people to remember what actually took place on October 7th? Well, first of all, I, I think conversations like we're having, the work that the ACLJ is doing, not not just here in the United States, but all across the world, 
making clear this is this is that the victim here is Israel, and that there will be more victims, not just Israeli victims. There'll there'll be victims in throughout the Middle East. There'll be victims uh, like our soldiers who we lost in Jordan. There'll be this is an Iranian broader effort, and the Israelis are doing the Lord's work at ensuring that this particular part of the Iranian proxy regime is taken down. I think that's all we can do. I think we have to tell the story in a candid way. We have to share with the world that this isn't over, even the fact that it's not in the front and center of 24-7 news coverage today, that this is still a nation that is war and that this threat from Iran is deep and real. And it's not something far away. It's something that Americans are going to have to find a way to begin to restore deterrence. And if we don't, if we talk about the fact that we're going to we're going to put together a two-state solution with a terrorist organization, or we talk about the fact that we're going to have a revitalized Palestinian authority that is still paying for terror activity, um, I think we embolden the enemy in ways that only makes this problem set more difficult, Jay. You know, I wanted to ask you, too, we had this kind of bizarre moment in the United States yesterday. While maybe, we were gone. Yeah, maybe when you're traveling, uh, where the House Intel Committee uh, Chairman Mike Turner a, Cong- a Republican, he raised this alarm after uh, the members of Congress were looking at uh, some intelligence in the, in a protected skiff that he believed the nation needed to learn about. Uh, and reportedly, this is uh, about Russia's ability to put nuclear weapons in space. It doesn't from now say that they actually have nuclear weapons in space, but it was a unique moment, uh, Secretary Pompeo. We usually don't see members of Congress going public with that first and that kind of this is how serious this is. Uh, and there was some pushback there. Uh, kind of your interpretation of this, these events and what happens next. You bet. I'm sorry. I, I chuckle because I thought when you said a bizarre moment, it was the testimony of, of District Attorney Willis that you were going to ask me about. That was, a, that, was a, that was the subject of the last segment. That was a bizarre moment. <laughs> so there were two. There were two rather odd moments yesterday. Uh, you're, you're right. Um, the comments from Chairman Turner were unusual. Um, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee don't do this often. I know Mike. I am confident he believes that he did the right thing, that it is important that whatever this particular threat is, uh, and I, I don't know the nature of it any more than what's been reported, whatever this particular threat is, was a sufficient scale and size and the information necessary at this time that he did this deeply unusual step. I, uh, I, I hope that the, uh, the administration will share with us those things that are appropriate, and they'll do so absolutely immediately. It's there's, it sounds like there's no time like the present for us to become aware of the threat um, from Vladimir Putin. Perhaps it's a threat in space, and the American people deserve to understand that risk. Which is, I'm glad your administration, we developed the Space Force as another branch of our military. Last question, changing uh, countries here. Speaking of national security, and we've been talking about that, we've learned that at least 20,000 Chinese nationals have crossed the southern border since October 1st. That's just since October 1st. That's a 4,000% increase. How worried should we be about this? I saw some video, Jay, almost all single men, fighting age males. Uh, I, I can't I can't tell you because I haven't seen the intelligence, but to, to have that many Chinese come across didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen through the permission or through the um, running through a, a stop sign of Xi Jinping. There is no doubt there is something bigger taking place. I don't know the nature of it, yeah. but this is one more reason. One more reason, Jay, you've got to get that southern border closed. The fact that we now have tens of thousands of folks coming from China, right? These are probably people without much money, without means, and yet they found their way to the American southern border. That that tells us we've got a challenge and we've got to confront it. And by the way, the Biden administration should share with me, share with us how the heck they all got there, who, who shepherded them across, and what's behind this massive increase 
in Chinese illegal immigration. I mean, the, the number is is staggering because it's a four thousand percentage increase. That's a gigantic number. It's I can't imagine it's with good intent. Uh, there's there's no chance that this is either random or well intentioned, Jay. Yeah, so that's the concern that I have with all of this. Mike, thanks for uh, your work over in Israel with our ally there and appreciate you being part of the team here at the ACLJ. Thank you. Bless you all. Have a good day. You know, I thought it was interesting to, again, for Secretary Pompeo to give that insight. Obviously, we have teams that have been back in Israel for a long time, but for him as former CIA director and uh, Secretary of State uh, to to uh, take that visit, kind of take it in, of course, and then seeing that picture kind of gave me some chills of, uh, those families we represented who, unfortunately, uh, their, their loved status, ones did Mike not. said their status, unfortunately, has changed. Yeah. And, and their family yeah, did sad. not come home. And, and uh, again, we're looking at other matters of how to assist those families as well. Yeah, we've got a team at the ACLJ. In fact, CC Holland and I will be in our office in Norfolk next week with a number of other staff, uh, especially international staff, looking at maybe illegal challenges to UNRWA and because they were harboring terrorists and, and also directly dealing with hostages. So we're looking at whether we could pierce their immunity veil that they have in some of these cases. So we're looking at that. We're looking at other uh, universal jurisdiction issues and other actions at the International Criminal Court in The Hague. We are taking your calls at 1-800-684-3110. We come back from the break. We're getting into this issue of does a conviction of Donald Trump in a trial like a January 6th or like this one in New York impact how you would vote? And, and we're not saying there's a right or wrong answer. We just want to know what how it impacts you. So phone lines are open, 1-800-684-3110. Let me encourage you to download our ACLJ prayer guide. You go to aclj.org slash prayer and, or is it pray? I'm sorry, let me get it right. Pray. aclj.org slash pray. Over 80,000 of you have downloaded that prayer guide, which is amazing. So we'd love to see that get to 100,000. Back with more in a moment. After nearly 50 years, Roe versus Wade, the tragic ruling that manufactured a so-called right to abortion has been overturned by the United States Supreme Court. This is the moment the ACLJ has been fighting for. It's the biggest victory we've achieved in our three decade long fight against the soulless abortion industry. And believe me, abortionists like Planned Parenthood are devastated. This victory would not have been possible without the steadfast prayer and support of ACLJ members like you. On behalf of the entire ACLJ, I thank you for standing with us against the abortion industry and helping us save defenseless babies. I thank you for making this victory possible. And I ask you for your continued prayer and support as we continue to battle against barbaric new abortion laws across our nation. The challenges facing Americans are substantial. At a time when our values, our freedoms, and our constitutional rights are under attack, it's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, 
Well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today, aclj.org. Welcome back to Secular Changing Gears. We wanted to get with Secretary Pompeo because he just returned from Israel and that footage to see some of our uh, clients, but also to to get his uh, view of where that situation stands right now. Of course, the U.S. policy has been all over the place on that. They announced they wanted a new Palestinian state by the end of this conflict and the funding to UNRWA, all these things we've uncovered. So we wanted to make sure we got to it. But we do want to focus in on what you saw yesterday, at least probably in the evening news, if you weren't able to watch all of the trial. They're on day two right now, and uh, uh, Fani Willis not expected to uh, be taking part in that. It w- there was a pretty bizarre exchange uh, between uh, the attorney, uh, Ashley Merchant, the prosecutors here, and Fani Willis. Take She's the, she, she's the defense, lawyer for yeah, the defense attorneys, uh, but Mike it, Roman. Yes. They're, they seem like prosecutors sense, because it was a backwards. Right, right the adversarial uh, cross-examination, yeah. if you will. Uh, take a listen by one. How did you know to come into the courtroom like that? There were people I was pacing in my office, okay. and um, I heard someone yell, his testimony is done. Um, it only made sense to me that I would be your next witness, and I've been very anxious to have this conversation with them today. So I ran to the courtroom. So as soon as um, you heard that Mr. Wade was done testifying, that's when you just assumed you would be the next witness? It only makes sense. Um, did you listen to any of the testimony? I've been in my office pacing, ma'am. Okay. Um, did you listen to any of the arguments? I did hear the, the arguments this morning. It's ridiculous to me that the, you lied on Monday, and yet here we still are. And I did listen to that argument. <laughs> so right there, she she was... She, so she cut it off before the witness testimony. Now, Andy, when you've got a recusal rule, or, or a sequestration yeah, I'm, rule... I just because it's kind of like if, you, if you've ever been on jury if duty... If you're a witness to a case, they will sequester you... Take you out before the proceedings start, or at least before the witness testimony start. She was careful there. She said, "I didn't. I was pacing during the witnesses. I did listen to the oral arguments." Well, the the arguments are just part of the uh, evidence that is argued by a uh, lawyer to uh, further his or her case. So when she says she listened to the arguments, she listened to the evidence as well. It's inevitable because during the argument, you talk about the evidence. Under the rule of sequestration, no witness is supposed to be in the courtroom when another witness is testifying or in not only in the courtroom, but listen to anything that is going on in the courtroom because that way you fabricate the testimony to fit what the prior witness said. So what Fannie Willis did here was, in my view, violate the rule of sequestration by listening to the argument with respect to the evidence in the case yeah all right so there you go so that could be an issue right there let's take melissa's call she's calling on line one she's got a question about this melissa welcome to the broadcaster on the air hello um my question is um i, I believe in the usda and the department of justice there is a rule in the law about uh fraternization between People that would be like lawyers and lawyers and all that. Well, you can't fraternize with witnesses. You can't fraternize with jurors. That is true, by the way, in state and federal proceedings. Go ahead with your question. Well, my my question is um, the conflict of interest that it it definitely shows. And she says she did nothing wrong in her own testimony. And, and so, what you have to define is what is the conflict of interest that the standard is? Would the a prosecutor's actions undermine 
a confidence in the judicial system. So you watched some of this, Melissa. What did you think? I've I've been listening to it back and forth, and I I believe that there is a conflict of interest between the the two attorneys there. Uh, but I believe that it is a um, to undermine. President Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Melissa, it's it's not a conflict of interest as much as an appearance of impropriety, okay? Uh, under the Georgia case law, a prosecutor in a case is supposed to have the integrity that is necessary to pursue justice, not a conviction, but justice in the case. That's what a prosecutor, that's what I did as a prosecutor in Georgia for 20 years of my life, okay? And what happens in this case is if you have so compromised the integrity of your office, that it undermines the confidence of the public in the criminal justice system, and you become the focus rather than the defendant in the case, then that gives the judge grounds, if he wants to or if she wants to, uh, and feels that it's appropriate to disqualify you from the case and to have the governor in this case appoint another prosecutor. Right. That's exactly. what it's all about. All right. We got a lot of calls coming in on this. Let's go ahead and take them. Yeah. I mean, 1 800 684 I did want to get the call in Andre Watts, still a little bit fresh in people's yeah. minds because we were talking about that with Secretary Pompeo. We just had mentioned that too with uh, our, some of our clients. The United Nations Release Agency was aiding and abetting the Hamas. Yes. Yeah, so that violates international law. There is an immunity issue that they have as an international organization, but there are exemptions to immunity, and we're looking at whether we can pierce that. Yeah, let's go to Michael in Indiana Online 3 has a question about UNRWA. Hey, Michael. Yes. Um, the former UN spokesman, um, Christopher Gunnis, he tried to, he's very anti-Semitic and honor committed crimes. And I watched the ADF and your opinion that the UN was responsible for facilitating genocide against the Jews and they knew about it. And one of the UN Secretary General, Kurt Waldheim, he is a major Nazi war criminal. And the, here's the UN UNRWA. Well, here's what you got with the UN. Here's what we do know. The UN Relief Agency, UNRWA, was aiding and abetting the terrorists, not only hiding them out, but actually their staff members paid by your tax dollars were holding hostages. What we want to do is pierce their immunity privilege and see if we can get into federal court with some of the individuals that were both Israeli and Americans, our, our client Doris, for instance. Uh, and we think there may be a way to do it. We are looking at it. It will be complex litigation, but I'm going to be up in our offices with our international team next week, and we are working on that. That would be a very bold move to go after the U.N. that way, but that is the way you ultimately hold them accountable. Yes, that's right. That's how you go. You go after the UN in whatever way that you possibly can and hold them accountable. UNRWA has actively abated and abetted the terrorists for years. And, uh, and this it's, time they were caught. And this time, yes. They were they caught. Got, and it kept getting worse and worse. Remember, it was, there was one commander and then an, an, who, who was pretty high up in the Hamas on October 7th planning, and then nine additional employees who were uh, uh, part of Hamas, maybe not part of the planning of October 7th, but could have taken part in it. And then they did a test that basically 90% of the people working in UNRWA have a family member uh, who is part of Hamas. 50% of them are living with one of those family members. Yeah. So the relationships, you know, getting, again, so if you got, you know, cousins, uncles, that's the 90%. Uh, and, and the 50% is, you know, people living in your home with you. Parents All right. and grandparents and Exactly right. So I just want everybody to understand this. It's complicated litigation here when you're dealing with the U.N., 
there's a general immunity statute that they have, like a government would have. There are exceptions. We are working on seeing if we can craft a case within the exceptions. That's what we're working on right now. It's going to take us time, but we've got a team of great ACLJ lawyers and our international team uh, working on that as we speak. All right, we're taking your calls at 1-800-684-3110. We only have one open line. I'm sure that's going to fill up, but then you can keep calling because we'll go through these calls in the next segments rather quickly. 1-800-684-3110. Don't forget also support the work of the ACLJ. You can donate. We appreciate that, of course, aclj.org. But also we have a prayer guide that we've just learned today in our pre-radio meeting that we've had over 80,000 downloads of the, I guess it's volume one and volume two, of the ACLJ Prayer Guide, and we're going to continue to produce these. Uh, And it's very important for you to be praying for the team here at the ACLJ and our offices around the globe and our clients. So if you just go over to aclj.org slash pray, you can download the prayer guide right there. And like I said, knowing that 80,000 people have done that's very encouraging to us here at the ACLJ. So again, aclj.org forward slash pray. If you want to ask, answer a question or ask, make a comment, 1-800-684-3110. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. aclj.org. 